Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of IT Varsity Tech Watch. I'm your host Bilal Katrada and I'm your co-host Masihullah Katrada. And today we're going to continue our discussion on smart cities. Now last week we spoke about President Cyril Ramaphosa's vision to create a smart city in South Africa and uh, we discussed the pros and cons of that. And one of the main things in that we discussed in the in the episode and it's also one of the things that keeps coming up in conversations on social media and in the traditional media is this, that South Africa is not ready for a standalone smart city. But what South Africa is ready for is smart solutions in existing cities. Now, in our existing cities in South Africa, there's a lot of problems, there's a lot of issues, there's a lot of challenges that people are facing which ultimately, and we don't realize this, those of us that live in South Africa, we don't realize the psychological impact that it's having on us on a day-to-day basis. Now let's take an example, right? You're going to work one day, uh, happily uh, all full of energy, and then something very negative happens. Let's say you witness a horrible, horrible accident. Now that is an extreme example, right? But it's 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 easy to to imagine how that will have a bearing on the rest of your day. It will really impact your mood, your thought processes, your uh, way in which you interact with others for the rest of the day. In in other words, it'll mess you up. Now, in a similar way, when you are are living your day-to-day life as a city dweller, no matter which country you are in, if there are frustrations that you face on a daily basis, then those frustrations, you know, maybe consciously you are you've 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 sort of blocked them out, but subconsciously it's affecting you. And what they found, what scientists found over over time, is that certain cities are actually toxic, toxic not not in the sense of physically toxic, but they're toxic emotionally. They're toxic uh, mentally. So people, by living in those cities, by facing all the stresses and all the challenges that they do. It affects them emotionally, it affects them intellectually, it affects the, uh, the, 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 the general overall moods of people. And worst of all, it affects creativity and, and productivity. But then there, on the other hand, there are other cities that are doing exceptionally well. Cities like Singapore, for example, or, um, or, uh, or like, uh, for example, some of the Western European kind of cities like, like Helsinki. Now, these cities... Uh, they 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 nurture a, a an atmosphere of happiness, an atmosphere of contentment, because everything is just so streamlined. There's no frustrations. There's no or very there's minimized frustrations. There's no such thing as no frustrations. So the this frustrations and the stress, these things are all minimized. So what happens is that the people are f- more free. Their minds are more free to focus on positive things and what scientists found is that people in those cities are generally much happier than other cities around the world. There's actually been uh, studies uh, you know, conducted on which cities are actually uh, happy cities, where people are generally happy to live, happy to work. The livability uh, index is high. You know, Istanbul is one of those cities also where it's, it's a happy place to live. Why? Because all the frustrations or most of the frustrations have been ironed out. 
Now, when we start with the concept of smart cities, this is what we need to be focusing on, not technology, but on people, on people's well-being, on people's health, both physical, mental, emotional health, on things that, that drive productivity, that, that uh, enhance creativity. This is where the beginning of smart cities actually is. And this is not a new concept. By no means is this a new concept. This is an ancient concept. Wherever there were human civilizations, wherever people gathered in large numbers, for, you know, whether it was the ancient cities like Thebes and Rome, there was always a conceited effort from the side of the authorities to streamline life for those people that are dwelling in the cities, uh, or be it roads or sewer systems or uh, aqueducts to take water you know, in and out of the city. So these were things that, that have continued over time. What's different today, what's different is that we can greatly enhance what is possible using technology. The challenges have become greater. The, 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 you know, the, the threats to human well-being have become greater. I mean, when you look at things like pollution from factories and from uh, electricity uh, um, plants, um, and electricity generating plants, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, um, uh, pollution in the air. Now, these kinds of things didn't exist in, say, ancient Rome because the mode of transport at that time was, was animal. So today's challenges are gone much bigger, but at the same time, today's technology gives us much greater opportunities to resolve those challenges. And that's where we should be focusing. And I think in today's episode, we're going to look at a number of cities that have implemented smart measures whether you can call them smart cities or not is debatable but the fact remains that they've implemented smart technologies or smart measures to streamline life in the city and it doesn't always have to be a technology solution it could be something that doesn't really involve much technology it just uh, involves a lot of forethought a lot of planning and a bit of uh, conventional wisdom and you'll find that things are streamlined or a major problem facing the community facing the city dwellers has been removed because just of you know a little bit of of planning i mean there's never been a time where it's more important to focus on issues like this because i mean if you look at it right around about 2006 the world's population passed a major tipping point and that tipping point was this that previously, prior to the year 2006, the world's, the bulk of the world's population lived in rural areas. But in 2006, there was an evening out point. There was a point where I everything was balanced. Then meaning the number of people living in rural and the number of people living in urban areas was equal. And post 2006, from 2006 until now, and from now going forward into the future, the shift has gone in favor of the urban area. So there's more people now living in cities than in, in rural areas. And as of the end of 2018, I think it was 4.2 billion people living in urban areas. That's 55% of the world's population. Cool. Um, 
you know what, fast forward three decades and experts actually predict that that number is going to go from 4.2 billion to 6.5 billion people. That's a big number. That what is percent is that? That is 67% of the world's population will be living in cities. That's a lot of people. I mean, think about it. Six and a half billion human beings living in cities around the world. And that's, that's an increase. I mean, if you look at uh, 2018, between 2018 and 2050, there'll be 2.3 billion. This is not million with an M. It's billion with a B. Two and a half billion more people will move into cities. And that's incredible. Now, when you, when you look at that, when you look at stats like that, when you look at numbers like that, it's mind-boggling that two and a half billion additional people will be living in the world cities. And there's, not, there's no additional cities being built, which means that these people are going to move into existing cities. Now, what's, wh what's the downside of that? The downside is that this massive, uh, you know, what, what scientists call the biggest mass migration in human history, now, what this is causing, or what it's going to cause, is that the infrastructures at cities, in, in, in all these major cities, is going to be put through, a, you know, it's going to be, be rigorously tested. And in some cities, I mean, if you look at some of the cities around the world, the infrastructure is so weak, it's already on the brink of collapse. But what's going to happen in a few years' time, in a few decades' time, when the influx takes place? So planning needs to begin right now. I mean, every aspect of a city's in operational infrastructure, whether it's public transportation, water supply, power supply, sanitation, solid waste management, open spaces, schools, hospitals, clinics, all of these things need to be completely reviewed because, I mean, the cities are going to explode in population over the next few uh, decades. But you know what's great? There's a lot of cities around the world that are already showing the way forward for the future. And Singapore is one of them. Definitely. You can't do any research about smart cities and not see Singapore there. Okay. They have made such great efforts. And, and, and you know, it shows it's one of the most efficient cities in the world. And we talked about this in the last episode. We said that Singapore is, is, is very little. It's a tiny little city. So they don't have much land for, for farms and, and, and things like that. But the way they solve these problems is by working smart. So they use technology, of course, to, to solve a lot of their problems. And one of the best ways that they do it is by using big data, which is something we also covered in a previous episode. Now, they collect data on nearly everything that goes on in the city, public transport, uh, traffic, pollution, um, the, the, the crowd the density. Crowd also. density. They, they, they collect data on crowd density. Correct. The the flow of the wind through the city, and even even they even collect data on their senior citizens. They they collect data on on their health. Now you know some people might construe this as spying, right? But when you look at the overall benefits that it's it's providing to the citizens of the city, it's immense. It you know the benefits over overcomes the downside of you know what people might construe as, as, as spying on, on the people. Definitely, because using this data, they have managed to make Singapore an extremely efficient city and it keeps getting better. You know, 
I actually watched a documentary about this on on how a new building is constructed in Singapore. If you want to put up a new tower, the 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 amount of work that goes into calculating where the tower should be placed and what angle it should be placed and even what shape the building should be placed in based on the wind and the way they they know this is because using they use this big data uh, that they've collected they are able to create 3d models of of wind and 3d simulations of how the wind will affect a new building oh, wow that's impressive that's some really impressive technology it is in and using this I- this exact same data the the buildings are actually positioned in in such an efficient way that it reduces the need of air conditioning as well because you've got natural airflow so you just simply exactly. open a window and you're getting no matter which building you are in you're getting a a, 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 a beautiful flow of wind that wow. and you're also reducing your energy consumption so the city wins again there absolutely the next uh, the next super city or uh, smart city is dubai okay now they are getting really really close to singapore and i think we've mentioned dubai before as well uh, the steps that they are taking they already experimenting with um, i think self self driving drones uh, drone taxis you know and things like that and i think i think dubai wants to they have ambitions to become the smart city of the world and they are a close neck and neck contender with singapore oh, that's that, that's a nice act, it's a nice competition to to spectate so definitely the dubai uh, the, the one thing that i really love about it is um the dubai now app now i i wish more cities would would adopt something like this where this app gives you everything you need as a citizen in that city you can pay your bills from there you can pay fines you you can report crimes if you find a fault somewhere you can report faults you can even call uh, a taxi from that one single app what what's the name of the app uh, i think it's called dubai now dubai now awesome mm-hmm. that is that is amazing i mean the, the the what's really amazing is not just that there is an app what's truly amazing is the fact that this app has so many services built into it it tells us something it sa- it tells us that dubai has integrated all of these services into one single app that's a challenge i mean if you look at a typical city look at durban which is a smallish city i mean you will have the electricity department doing their own thing and the traffic department doing their own thing public transport doing their own thing and they don't actually work together they far from it in fact they they're all living in their own worlds the fact that dubai has brought everybody under one roof and got them not just to work together but to integrate their systems to a level that they can combine all those systems into one single app and that's a massive massive win in itself i mean the technology for the app is probably not that uh, impressive but what's impressive is the work that went into combining all of those services into one single app that is really really amazing from a management perspective as well as from a technology perspective now i want to i want to i want to bring in probably one of my favorite cities in the world istanbul i love istanbul and i was i had the good fortune of being there earlier this year and i you know like so many others i absolutely fell in love with with the city not just for its beauty and its historical significance and the wonderful buildings and the food and the people but also 
for me as a, as a person in technology, as a person who writes and talks about technology, who lives technology, I, I was impressed that this ancient city, this ancient city that, you know, that's been around for thousands of years has progressed so much uh, through technology. They've embraced technology and they've, and they've progressed so much. Now, just a, 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 an interesting fact about Istanbul. Istanbul is the biggest city in Europe. It has a population of 15 million people, and that's a huge number of people for any any uh, given city. Now, that's the one part of Istanbul's challenge, its own population. But Istanbul is also a major tourist destination. Millions and millions of people every year come and visit the city and leave. So Istanbul has a dual challenge, much greater than most other cities. The first part is to move its own people around, to avoid traffic with its own population, but also on top of that, compounding the whole problem is tourists. Tourists coming in, they bring in millions, if not billions of dollars of revenue, so there's nothing, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a great thing, but how does the city actually, you know, uh, overcome this huge challenge of moving people around and avoiding uh, traffic jams and, and the usual nightmares that goes with, uh, having so many people living in a, in a single uh, place. Now, what do, uh, Istanbul has done over the past couple of decades is that they've really worked on their public transportation system. They've really worked on improving it and integrating various different services together. Again, there's nothing new that they are doing. There's no new mode of transport that they've introduced. It's just how they are doing it and how they've combined all of those technologies to, or all of those modes of transport together under one technological um, umbrella. Now, Istanbul typically has about four different modes of transport that you could take within the city. Uh, buses, trams, underground metro trains, and ferries. Now, ferries is a big thing. Ferries are huge in Istanbul. I mean, the ferry boats alone move 60 million people annually. 60 million people ride in Istanbul's ferries. Now, why why is why are the ferries such a such a big thing? It's simply because Istanbul is a weird city. It sits between two uh, continents, and the Bosphorus Strait cuts the city in half. And not just the Bosphorus Strait, but also now the city is further cut in the in into two parts. The the European, the old European part of the city is further cut into two parts by the Golden Horn. So you've got these two huge water bodies that are literally cutting the city into three parts. And although there's a, there's a, there's a network of bridges crisscrossing the, the straits, what is very popular, and I've seen this personally, is the ferries. The ferries are efficient, super, super, super efficient. Every few minutes, there's a ferry crossing the Bosphorus Strait or the Golden Horn. And it's amazing to see how many people take those ferries. So you've got these four uh, modes of transport. But what's really great is with a single app, the Metro Istanbul app, if you need to get from point A to point B, well, you don't even have to use the app because everything is so integrated with Google Maps also. If you need to get from one point of the city to the other, Google Maps or the Metro Istanbul app will tell you exactly where to take the next public transport, how far to ride it, where to jump off, 
which is the next mode you're going to take and how long it's going to take you to get there. So for example, if you're getting from one part of the city, let's say uh, the Sultan Ahmed area where the big famous, world famous Blue Mosque is, and you're going to the opposite side of the city where the, the new uh, mosque, the Chamlicha Mosque is, that's a distance, that's quite a big distance. And you typically take about four or five different modes of transport getting there. And what I found really impressive was that these apps can tell you exactly which modes of transport to take at what time precisely the next mode is is leaving let me give you an example right so it'll pro probably tell you from your hotel take a bus to the train station at the train station you'll find that exactly as the app tells you that at a certain time the train will be leaving that train will be there and it will be leaving at that time and when it tells you the train will arrive and then the ferry will be waiting, that's what will exactly happen. Now, that's truly, truly amazing. Just like, the, you know, in the case with, uh, with Dubai, with Istanbul, they've, they've put in a lot of effort and a lot of planning and a lot of foresight into ensuring that these different modes of transport, which were, which were totally disparate previously, but they've now brought them all unto, under one umbrella. They've integrated them, and not just that, but they've integrated that with technology. I mean, you know, I was really impressed. Also, you know, mind blown that you'll be sitting at the bus stop in Istanbul, and it tells you, it keeps you up to date. Google Maps keeps you up to date, and it tells you the bus will be here in two minutes. The bus will be here in one minute. And just when this, when Google Maps says the bus is almost here, you'll see the bus driving up. How do they do that? I mean, it's really, really impressive how they accomplish this on such a huge scale. Now, this this is just some of the, you know, these are just some of the technology. I mean, we got a couple of other things to speak about here. I mean, we got a, quite a few more examples to talk about. I think uh, shall we shall we continue this in another episode, perhaps? Yeah. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. We have, you know, that's what happens when you when you have fun. And this has been a really, really fun episode for me, you know. It has. And the whole topic of smart cities is really awesome because, I mean, there's so many opportunities for anybody, not just for, for governments or municipalities or top-notch software engineers or civil engineers, but even for ordinary people like you and I to find ways of solving common problems. We, we are the ones that are facing these problems and you know there's, there's, there's so many ways that we can contribute towards making our cities into smart cities i mean take a simple example and we'll conclude on this crime is a huge issue in south african cities what have we done as residents we've created these whatsapp groups these these community watch groups which are immensely useful no special technology no special apps no special databases just ordinary citizens like us that you know keep an eye out for each other so that's a smart solution with a very minimal use of of technology which is which is really awesome anyways that's all we have time for today folks we'll have to wrap up this episode this has been another wonderful episode of tech it varsity tech watch i'm your host bilal katrada and i'm your co-host masiullah katrada and we'll catch you in the next episode <laughs>